Hello, hello, lovely people. Now, it's really hard to sum up Jen Stanbrook in one sentence. She's done and achieved so much. She has worked in different corporate roles, had her own businesses, but then she created an interiors blog called Love Chic Living. This became award-winning, she built a huge following and was soon being invited all over the world to talk about her work. Now, you may think Jen went to one of those interior design schools or perhaps had lots of connections in this world, but Jen describes her upbringing as working class and she simply created her dream life by putting all her talents and experiences together to create a living centred around something she loves. Now, Who wouldn't want that? She now works as a champion of midlife women following their dreams. So whatever stage you are in your life, I'm really hoping this conversation will be able to help you in some way with your dreams. Hello and welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is as I start my next chapter from journalist to indie author, I speak to some incredible people who have already started their next chapter in the hope it may be able to help you with yours or at the very least, you might just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, Jen Stanbrook. Jen Stanbrook, welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. Thank you so much for joining me and it is a joy to have you with me. Thank you so much for asking me to come on. I'm really excited. Uh, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. Well, honestly, I, I, the listeners are in for a treat because I've been reading up about you and my goodness, what a story. So let's get straight in. So we begin as ever with your prologue, The Upbringing. So you say you came from a true working class background. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Working class background, you know. My parents, um, my my dad was a labourer, and my mum worked in, um, you know, a betting office uh, where I kind of <laughs> cut my teeth as well, doing lots of different things for them. And so, yeah, it, you know, we were we lived in a council house. My my mum and dad got the right to buy in the Thatcher years and bought their house for, you know, something like 10 grand. Wow. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, you know, I went to the local secondary comp, but and, and I grew up in a really small provincial uh, city. And, you know, it was really unusual for anyone to leave. You pretty much kind of born and die there. Um, Where and, was this, I, Jen? This is in Hereford. So a lovely rural place, beautiful, but, you know, it was in the city. It wasn't in the rural, rural part of town. Um, and yeah, I left when I was 18 and I went to, well, as was Polytechnic then. Uh, and it's kind of like when everything started, I suppose. I sort of spread my wings a little bit. Okay, so you say that. So you went to sixth form, you went to Polytechnic and then you did psychology. So this is where it kind of all started. What made you do psychology? Um, I, I'd done it at A-level, actually. My sixth form, I'd offered it at A-level and I did it and I loved it. And I was really good at it. Um, and so, yeah, uh, yeah, it was one of those things, I suppose I very much throughout my life have, and it started then, have kind of just gone with my gut and what I've enjoyed doing and what I'm good at. And uh, things have kind of evolved. And, and psychology, I was really good at it. Um, and I've used it all the way through my through my life, really. It's, it's been the basis of many things that I've done, even going into food retail. And yeah, it was, it was all bringing in psychology. Did you know what you wanted to do then? No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I think, you know, I mean, this was a long time ago, <clears throat> 30 years ago <laughs> or so. 
And um, I mean, we weren't as savvy as, as young people now at all. We really weren't. And I did not have a grand plan. I just kind of thought, I'm good at this. I can do it. It'll open doors to something else. I'll figure it out along the way. Mm. And off I went. <laughs> well, what kind of student were you then? Uh, I, I was quite a good girl. I, I was quite a conscientious good girl. I was, you know, I'm the eldest and, you know, I set the way and I, you know, my parents were quite strict. And so I'd, I'd, I'd toe the line, follow the rules. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was just, just your ordinary sort of student having a good time and just getting through my degree. I got a 2-1 and off I went. Well done on getting a two-one. Well done. So let's so that, that might, so we're going to go into your first chapter now. When I say when I say first chapter, I'm actually going to split this. I think it's four parts. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a we've got oh, a few chapters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a few chapters within the first chapter, which makes it even more interesting. So that's brilliant. So you okay. started off in retail. I'm just if, make sure I get this correct. So we started off in retail, then you went into having doing your own cleaning business. Then you spent yeah. 10 years in IT, in the corporate Correct. world, and then yeah. you began your own franchise. That's right. Okay. Correct. Excellent. <laughs> right. So let's start at the beginning then. So retail, how did you get into that? Graduate training programs. Back in the day, you applied for the graduate training program and I got into the Sainsbury's one. I did. I tried for boots. I tried for different ones. Um, I, and I kind of, I'd had a job in Marks and Spencer's. Uh, since I'd sort of been 16. And so again, it was kind of what I knew is what I was good at. I could bring my psychology. I didn't want to go on and do another psychology qualification. I wanted to go out and work. And um, yeah, I got a job with Sainsbury's on the graduate training program and off I went to London. It was it was pretty, pretty gruesome. Yeah, that's a big jump, isn't it? From your upbringing, from being in a rural, um, it sounds like a very lovely, but you know, like you say, working class and then, yes, and then you're thrown. And so, yeah, what was that like? Gosh, yeah, thinking back to that, it it was, there was a lot of sexism. Yeah, I I, I was was out of my depth slightly, but uh, it was a great experience, you know, people wise. But yeah, I was bullied. Um, Yeah, it was it was quite almost misogynistic. It wasn't a great atmosphere at that at that time. You know, we're talking 30 years ago Mm. as well. It was the people aspect that I was really learning in my 20s was how to handle people. Mm. Um, And, you know, obviously going to London and and being in we lived in all these houses that Sainsbury's had bought, where they couldn't build a store near Wembley. And uh, they just filled it with all of these 18 and 21 year olds who would you know, the first time away from home. And it was quite raucous. And yeah, we parted hard. And we worked hard as well. But you know, it was before 24 hour working, it was before Sundays, shops opened on Sundays. Um, So it was it was, it was quite a different world, really. Mm. A steep learning curve, which so why is is that why then you left it to then you started doing your own cleaning business? Yeah, I moved to Nottingham then. Um, I moved to Nottingham, I had a I had a boyfriend moved to Nottingham, left London, um, and I went to work for another food company for a few years, but then, yeah, I left that. And, uh, yeah, I started up a little cleaning company in my late 20s, mid, wow. mid to late 20s. Yeah, it was fun. And <laughs> was very, very different to what you've been doing. What made you pick cleaning and what made you start your own business? Gosh, yeah, it's hard to think back now. I don't know, I think I've just always had that sort of entrepreneurial streak. I've always wanted to try things and do different things and I wasn't happy what I was doing and I kind of thought well this is something I could do let's give it a go and it and kind of it was back in the day when marketing was dropping flyers through letterboxes and putting an ad in the local paper 
and word of mouth really and I got a really good set of clients I employed some ladies to help me and you know for two or three years that's what I did and it was good it was it was it was a nice change from the kind of quite toxic atmosphere that I'd experienced in food retail in those years yeah did you like uh working for yourself were you doing the cleaning yourself as well I did some of it myself yeah yeah so I set it up that way and um yeah, you know, I think it was the precursor. <clears throat> Everything that I've done throughout the sort of the decades have led to this point, you know, that happens, doesn't it? Yeah. And it was a precursor to learning how to nurture relationships with clients and customers. You know, the marketing, it was learning how to say the right thing. I mean, we didn't have internet then, so you couldn't, you know, join an online course or anything like that. Um, and so it was feeling my way and finding it by trial and error. And I made a lot of mistakes. There are a lot of things I look back now and think, oh, my goodness, what was I thinking? Um, but people would ring on the landline and you would have to do your sales pitch. So, um, yeah, I think people enjoyed the fact that I was running cleaning and, and actually I was a graduate and I could string a sentence together. And I was, you know, I was good on the people front. Mm. So um, that helped the business side of things. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, you know, to be fair. I was, I was playing at it really, but it was a great experience. It was good fun mm. until I wanted a bit more money. So is that why then you went into the corporate world of IT? Yeah, I retrained. Wow. Um, you know, I think a lot of people do this in their twenties, don't they? And, and it's what I teach my kids. I've got two girls who are teenagers now. And it's kind of like, you know, it's not set in stone what you do for your degree, what you do for your GCSEs, your A-levels, you know, you can, retrain you can do something new if you really want to and uh, yeah there was another graduate training program kicking around from British Rail as it was then and uh, they were taking what they called in quotes mature graduates uh, so people not straight out of uni <laughs> and um, I got on the program I got on the program and I retrained into IT and I stayed there for pretty much 10 years as I kind of met my I met my husband there and I I kind of progressed through the ranks slightly um, and then had my kids. Did you like that? Did you like that job? You know, that's 10 years. It's a long time. Yeah, I did for, for quite a while. Probably the sort of the last two or three years, I was more part time. I wasn't as invested. But certainly those first five or six years, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed learning something new. Again, I was quite good at it. I could turn my hand to it. Um, I did all the coding side of things. And then I worked, sort of went into sort of project, project coordination and management and um, yeah, I was, I was good at that. Again, I'm, you know, I've always been quite good with people, nurturing relationships. Um, and so, yeah, it allowed me to really grow and develop. And I think I was, you know, I, I was kind of going into having my kids at that point. And um, it was a great base from that corporate point of view. Again, nurturing and building relationships with people, networking, that kind of thing. And did it give you the two sides of the coin? Because so first of all, you'd sort of been in the corporate world, then you worked for yourself. So you saw the pressures of that and how you yeah. it's good on one side, but then you've got the financial pressure. But then you went back to the corporate world. So then you ha realised that it's great because you get paid a monthly salary and a lot of people are taking the pressure. So was it sort of teaching you? You, you really did have a good sort of oversight yeah. of the two different worlds. Absolutely. And I think that's been, um, you know, so... Uh, crucial to what I do now is to have that background in um, dealing with organizations so uh, we know when I ultimately then became freelance sort of in my mid uh, to late 30s and this sort of, sort of been 12 13 years now 
um, you know, that grounding was there to be able to talk to corporates, but also talk to clients and, and know how to fuse the whole thing together and create something that was very much about me because I, I crave that creativity and that excitement and that buzz of doing my own thing, being my own boss. But I think the grounding that I got in my 20s and then in my early 30s has been, um, you know, just so crucial in mm. everything I've gone on to do. Because then, so then you had your two daughters and, that, yeah, and they're very good. And then this is when you had a, sign, a baby sign language business. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Right, yes. So obviously I had the first daughter and you do all the classes as a mum or whatever and you, you take them, at, you know, all different places. And that was one of the things I did. I was really interested in that. I am actually um, partially deaf. So I've always kind of had this interest in sign language. And I thought, well, this is great. It's a new thing that's coming along. I, you know, I'm always interested in anything that's um, innovative and creative, different and pushing boundaries, that kind of thing. And it was new. And the, the owner of the organization in the UK had seen it in the States, brought it to the UK, set up her business. And I took my daughter along to classes and we learned, I learned how to teach her baby sign language so that she could communicate before she could speak and you know they're lovely classes you sing you have a coffee you meet other parents and carers and um so I really really enjoyed it and uh, got to know the teachers really loved it and I thought you know I could this is something I'd really love to do buying a franchise is one of those things where you 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 dip your toe in you know you're not fully self-employed you've got cover you've got backup you've got support you've got training and it felt like a nice way in and um a kind of a bit of a cushion to running my own business. Obviously, I've dabbled with the cleaning thing back in the day. And, um, and had you left your corporate job by this stage? No, I hadn't. Uh, but it was in the back of my mind. I was part-time. It was in the back of my mind. Had the second daughter a couple of years later. And, um, you know, as many people find, financially, we were paying more on childcare than I was earning and all the rest of it. And so yeah, I couldn't see myself staying at the in the corporate job, things were changing a lot. Um, I kind of wanted to do something that was different and more interesting, more vibrant. You know, obviously everyone says it, don't they? Having kids really changes your outlook, and it really had. I couldn't see myself going back into the corporate job, and um, yeah, I explored getting into this sort of franchise world, and yeah, I did. You did. <laughs> did. That's brilliant yeah. because so many people think of it and don't actually do it. So that's amazing. And so what was that like then when you started to have your own business, but you've got two young children as well, two young, fairly, you know, very young children? Um, yeah. To start with, the franchise was all set up for um, parents and you could take your baby with you. So this, my second daughter was tiny when I did it, sort of four or five months old when I first started. So she came with me, uh, you know, she sat there in the bumbo chair and with all the other parents and babies and had a blast. And so that's quite nice. You have that connection then with your clients as such, your customers. Um, it evolved because I suppose that's what I tend to do. I was all in. I actually bought a second franchise from them. So I covered quite a big area of my city. Um, I went into partnership with someone else. And so we partnered in a in a really one of the oldest franchises for that company for where I live. So at, at the height of it, I was running something like, I don't know, something like 18 classes a week. Uh, we had nurseries on board, so we would go in and do private classes. So, you know, it kind of what I tend to do is I'll start, find my feet, 
get comfortable and then it gives me the chance to I suppose just kind of really go for something and I did and I, I took that as far as it could go whilst the girls were small and I, I did it until they went to school yeah I mean anybody with little kids it's hard it's a juggle uh, but no I, I got the sleep they were good sleepers actually my other half is great he he had you know the corporate job he would go off to the office but he's brilliant and so together we just did it and the business wasn't massive you know it wasn't a massive financial and it fed me what I needed I needed people and so I had the networking from the franchise and then I had the networking from my clients and it was fun it was fun what a great job to turn up where everyone's happy with their babies and and toddlers we did toddler classes as well and it was just such a great laugh and I so I don't think that I don't think I ever thought god this is a grind this is hard why am I doing this the money wasn't great but it was enough it was better than I was getting you know I was paying out for all the childcare and, and doing the corporate job so the balance was fine it was really good. Jen, that's such a refreshing story to, to hear yeah. because um, normally it is all doom and gloom. So look, there is an answer. There's a solution yeah. in that dark time yeah. of your life. Find a job where you can take your baby to work. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. So yeah. so now, so then this is then taking us on to your next chapter. So this is where we're going to yeah. get. So you began an interiors blog uh, and yeah. this is this became Love Chic Living Limited. Now, so you obviously yeah. had a real interest for interiors on top of yeah. everything else. Yeah, so I've, I've, I've always loved home design, home decor, interiors, you know, always had the scrapbooks before Pinterest ever existed. Uh, always, always really loved it, loved it, loved it. And it is connected because with Tiny Talk, with the baby signing, um, that was all around the time when Facebook kind of erupted around 2008 or so, 2009, and Facebook was really taking off. So we all kind of tried to learn Facebook. We had Facebook pages and things like that. Nobody knew what they were doing. And I had a friend, actually, the friend, this is all really funny how this is connected. I had a friend who I'd done the baby signing classes with. She'd had the baby signing franchise before me and I bought it off her. She'd, become, she'd written a book about how to stay at home with your baby, right? Wow. And when she'd written that book, they said, you need a blog because blogs are it now. Everyone has to have a blog. She'd created a blog. It'd become really successful called Baby Budgeting. And I'd watched her create this business out of this blog. She was making money from her blog. It was fascinating. Anyway, I was really close with her and we talked a lot. I'd started to blog for the baby signing business. I had an awful blog called Sign in the City. I, I love that name. <laughs> yeah. I used to talk about how mums could go out and get a job and, and juggle it and have the babies and run their own business. And there was this answer. And I used to talk about what you needed and the confidence or buy a franchise or, you know, the investment you'd need. And I talk about all that kind of stuff on the blog. But I, it was new and the franchise company were very wary of it. They got their lawyers involved. And so I had to be really careful. Um, but, you know, it led on to this idea that I loved writing. It was combining all kinds of aspects of my background and I could really sort of bring this together into something new because the, the I'd taken the franchises as far as I could go. So yeah, that's how, you know, the kind of idea of what do I really love? What could I talk about in a blog? I love interiors. What's out there? Let me see. And what was out there was great, but it was really high end. It was for people with plenty of cash. Um, it wasn't talking about family homes. It wasn't talking about the kind of style I enjoyed, enjoyed and it wasn't accessible. 
So I thought, why don't I create one that's accessible? And right from the beginning, I wanted it to be something that could potentially be a business and make me some money, um, which at that time you didn't talk about. So, yeah, that's what I did. So, okay. So, look, how did you, because this is amazing. This is amazing because so many people I know love interiors and would love to work and make a living out of it. And like you say, but it's, isn't it, it's hard, isn't it? It's that that voice of oh well what do I know you know I'm not an interior designer and that kind of thing combined with everyone wants to do this so why should I do it you know all those niggly voices that that we that sometimes get a bit too loud so how did you start that going like from that so when you knew that's what you wanted to do how did you do it I right okay so I researched that was the first thing and you know that that goes without saying when you're doing your own business you go and research what's out there you look for the gaps why is the gap there? Is it because people want don't want it, or has somebody simply not has it not been created? And I think I've learned that you know from working for myself in in different times. Um, I don't, yeah, I, I kind of understood the concept. So off I went. I researched it for a month or two. I got my IT background, so I knew that I could kind of go in there and just build something if I needed it. Um, I got my kind of love of design, so I could make it look pretty. And I'd started to network in this kind of parent blogging world where my friend existed. She introduced me to people. Again, you know, you, you get those skills that you've got chatting to people, networking, talking. I was bringing in my Facebook skills that I'd learned. So you, you kind of, it was just this natural falling, rolling progression. I, I built it, I put it out there. Within three months, it was nominated for an award. I was oh. like, whoa. <laughs> Okay, I could be on to something here. I'm still running Tiny Talk, still doing all the franchises. And then in the evenings, sort of staying up till uh, midnight, 2 a.m., writing stuff, building stuff, networking. Companies started to get in touch with me. Would I write about their their bits and pieces? There was kind of little collaborations going on. I was learning how to do this, how I got paid, what the norm was. And, you know, we were breaking new ground at that point. It was 10 years ago. It was completely new and so exciting honestly the buzz was phenomenal and uh, yeah within six months I decided that I put the franchises up for sale and I was going to do it full time goodness me that's amazing so again going back Jen because I'm I'm fascinated and (laughs) please do not judge me when I say this but I still can't get my head around blogging now I have been a journalist for 25 years and if my bosses hear this they'll probably think oh my lord what are we dealing with here but can you just explain it to me and I'm so sorry to anyone listening to this that this is like teaching um you know how to suck eggs but so when you say you create a blog the idea being is you're telling a story and you create a community and have followers is that is that the idea yeah so that's the idea really I mean things have moved on slightly now but back then you would create the blog which looks like a website and then you would write content articles um, that appeal to people who find you. And so it's very much about understanding, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, search engine optimization because you want Google to find you. How, you know, obviously I don't have a journalist background. So what do I do in terms of how I write well, engaging? But it, it's not, it's different, obviously, to being a journalist in that I'm writing something that people. I'm writing from a real person's perspective in something that they can insert themselves into. So in the beginning, you know, I was talking about where to go and find great home interiors that were accessible. You know, what are Marks and Spencer's releasing right now? Or, um, 
you know, how, how do I decorate my living room when I've got tiny little kids? Things like that. And it, it wasn't out there so much. And then you create social media followings. And we worked hard on building and connecting with real people in, in the social media world. And of course, things were quite new. I spent a lot of time on Twitter where I wouldn't go now. Instagram didn't even exist. And so it was really just about Facebook, Twitter. Um, we used to use a couple of other platforms that probably aren't around right now. And just really network within our communities. And there were big blogging, parent blogging communities springing up everywhere. We used to do all sorts of weird things within the blogging community and all share each other's content. And of course, that still happens now. It's a really strong community within interiors. Um, yeah, and that's how it started. You build this presence and authority and then companies and brands want to partner with you we became this advertising outlet for different brands who are exploring the online world do you think as well all this is what you were saying earlier all the experience you'd had because um again because i think interiors is one of those areas that it bit like fashion that you kind of it can be a bit daunting. You may love it, but the world can seem quite daunting. So mm. I think that was really brave of you, actually, to 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 feel the to have the confidence to say, "Look, do you know what? I've got a voice in this because actually, this is my experience in my home with my young children in interiors. Even though I haven't been to the interior design school in Milan or wherever you feel some people might feel they have to go. You know, where where, where did you get that confidence from? That's a really good question. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's I have I know what I love. I know and I know how I feel about things, and I'm really passionate about in in all areas of my work and my life about sharing that and helping other people. And I suppose that comes right back to my childhood and my you know the way I was brought up was to help other people and. To me, that's a way of doing that. And actually, what you tend to find is many people who do blog or on social media as what we now term influencers, uh, in quotes, <laughs> um, you know, probably are quite shy and, and probably don't have as much confidence as you might feel. And so we can sit behind the written word in, in a lot of ways uh, to share what we love and what inspires us. But of course... It has evolved and it, it's, a, it's changed so dramatically in the last decade that actually many of those people that, that can't put themselves in front of the word and their blogs haven't progressed and have found the, the changes quite daunting and quite overwhelming. Mm. Um, but honestly, that the blog took off. I sold the franchises and it created the most incredible experiences that I would have never dreamt could have happened mm. and you know one led to another and led to another and I built my confidence I built my skills my expertise and I think I was at a point in my life when I stopped caring so much what people thought I just went for it and I honestly was the biggest amazing ride ever some of the things I did and experienced it's amazing you said you were on um you were on television you were networking yeah. you were you know traveling around and this was yeah. all 
this was all based on this this um what i call it like brand that you had built up yeah. with your love chic living so it's like the love chic living lady is here yeah. and this yeah, is yeah. how you can live nicely you can um love chic living in your own home so you'd kind of created this you know if i have i got that right so that's kind of this and that's amazing so people you obviously really uh, could relate to you but then you so you realize then that you like you say you like to help others you started to help people through pinterest yes so part of the blog and building the blog had been to use as i say social media platforms pinterest was one of them and it was quite new it was big in the states we were all trying to get more people to our sites get more eyes on our content obviously we wanted people to read it pinterest was a great way to do that and so i heavily explored how i could i'd say exploit but use (laughs) pinterest in a way to bring new people to my to my blog um, and I did it really successfully um, and it was big in the US I learned how the US bloggers were doing it we collaborated lots and it just became this huge avenue for me to find a whole new readership um, and I loved it it tapped into me going back to sort of the IT days of being logical building systems because Pinterest isn't social media and it's you, you kind of you just have to know how to use it step-by-step process and um, yeah, I partnered with Pinterest in the UK in 2015 because they were using bloggers to uh, increase their the awareness of the brand in, in of business in um, in the UK. So they partnered with lots and lots of bloggers, and I was one of them. And that's where my following grew. So I've got a million followers on Pinterest now. Goodness me! Uh, yeah, and it's just became it just became this huge vehicle. And again, people started asking how I did it. I love helping, I love sharing what I know. That turned into this idea that, well, I need to secure the business. You know, if we look at it from a business perspective, I had, you know, all my eggs in one basket on this blog. Things were changing rapidly. Instagram was coming along. It became quite clear that we weren't going to be able to just rely on this one platform to keep my business afloat. And, you know, I I turned the business into a very successful uh, financial success, Um, It changed our family's lives. You know, we had holidays, trips. We did all kinds of things. I I traveled Europe. I mean, I'm I'm still supposed to go to the States this year, meant to go last year, you know, on a blog tour. I still do all of that. It's still very vibrant, key part of my business. Yeah, it, it became clear that we had to diversify. And so it's good business sense to do that, to secure the business that you have. And so again, I suppose building on all those skills that I've used over the last 20 years or so I know how to diversify I know how to turn what I'm good at turn it into a business I was very good at teaching other people how to use Pinterest and so four or five years ago I set I set that up as the consultancy aspect of Love Chic Living was to create programs and consultancy for brands and for small businesses um, on how they can do Pinterest too and so I've created this strong um, presence in Pinterest marketing strategy. Um, yeah, and and you know I, I learned, I've, I've invested in myself, I've I trained with some of the best entrepreneurs in the digital marketing space to be able to deliver digital marketing and courses and programs and memberships to an audience. Mm. Um, and it, you know, it's it's all the building on the skills that we have as we go through our lives to create something. I'm not just putting myself out there as a guru and say, oh, come and buy this program from me because I've done it, so I'll show you how to do it. 
you know, this is years worth of experience and training built into credible, um, sustainable business that I can now show other women how to how to achieve. Mm, combining it with something that you love. So you can take that and if somebody does love fashion or if somebody loves candles or whatever it may be, this is a way of them sharing it in the world. But can just going back there, so when you got yeah. where you went when you got really involved with Pinterest, how in your love chic living, you were very much still using Facebook as well then. So what how just as an idea, how many followers did you have then? What on the blog? Yeah. So it would have about a hundred thousand people visiting it a month. Wow. And it's it's still not far off that. It's between fifty and a hundred thousand a month now, still. That's amazing. And again, Jane, please forgive my ignorance for this. But when you say how you made um a business out of it, so the money comes from uh, companies they see that you have this sort of real connection with people and that's like you say they'll say can, can it's like an it's a way of advertising in a way it's interesting yes. because I work for ITV so they've been doing it for years but you're and they're a huge organization you're just one person but you're you're similarly it's it's the same type of thing isn't it you you're you've got this great audience you keep them going with the you keep them connected with your blog with your writing with your pictures you kind of sponsor them in a way or advertise what they want you you to advertise and that's how you earn your money yes in a nutshell and the skill if you like comes in creating content that isn't selling yourself out I'm not saying right I'm just going to promote you know this brand of paint because you know they're paying me to do it and you know I think that's where a lot of influencing now in the last five years has got a bad name because it's it's not, you know, you know, it's it's a hard skill. It, it is very difficult to combine the two and make credible, valuable content that people enjoy. That also enables brands to say, well, yeah, we can be part of this. And so it, it became very much um, a responsibility on the brand's part as well to put together creative uh, programs and campaigns where we could be part of them where I could feel it was credible and I feel authentic in delivering that to my audience. And it's it's on us as influencers as much to say, no, I'm not going to be part of that because your campaign isn't diverse or no, my audience absolutely isn't interested in hearing that. Why on earth are you coming? You know, you haven't done, you've got to do your research as a brand too and make sure you're engaging the right influencer or blogger. Um, and so, it, it, you know, it became that, conversation to have that responsibility on us on them to create valuable content that resonates with our audiences but enables us to still be authentic and real because we won't have an audience if you don't if you don't look after that and you obviously know what your audience like yeah absolutely i've got a really good idea who my ideal client is and again this all comes back to you know, having backgrounds in marketing and people and understand, you know, the psychology, we go back to my degree, you know, I I can understand who my client is, what they want, who they are, what their issues are, what they love. And, you know, I can, I've learned how to style my own home, photograph my own home. It's it's a vast set of skills that, that I've amassed in in the last 20 odd years I suppose they kind of all come together now yeah how um, but what a lovely way to what an amazing way to live yeah it's, well yes it's a roller coaster I have to say it's not for everyone um you probably know you know working for yourself freelance the entrepreneurial journey is a roller coaster and it's very up and down and we have huge highs and massive lows and it's it's a constant 
and actually why I love it, thinking about it. It's constantly staying ahead of the curve. It's constantly thinking, how can I stand out? What makes me different? Why should I do this because everyone else is doing it? And I'm in a transitional period right now, I think, really. It is, you know, and the pandemic, if you like, has kind of created this because the blog isn't, hasn't been sustainable. It wasn't, didn't sustain me in the last year at all because, you know, advertising marketing was one of the first things to go. And many of my companies, the brands that I would work with are retail. So um, obviously the budget wasn't there. They had to tighten their, their belts, as it were. And so, yeah all the campaigns I was working on, they all came to an end pretty much. Um, and what was that there. like? How did you feel when that happened after all the, you know, it sounds like you are very resilient and that's all part of this as well. Yeah. But but how did you, did you sort of dig into everything that you've been through, you know, so far? Is that how you did it? Yeah, and I think we, we'd seen it coming too. Um, watching the, the business, watching the industry, I'd had quite a clear handle that things were changing. With the, with the advent of Instagram, things had been changing over the last few years for us um, in terms of um, securing partnerships with brands. Um, and so it became apparent that we needed to be careful and think about how we were going to build the businesses and sustain the businesses really going forward. Um, so yeah, it was, it was daunting, but again, quite exciting. I think I thrive on change, you know, let's face it. I think we've established that. I think so. Uh, I think so. I think I'm not afraid of change and I do rise to the challenge. And so I put a lot of a lot of things out there where I, I helped a lot of people pivot at the time from and I had I had people getting in touch with me on Instagram saying Oh, you know, can you help me? Uh, my mum just works, uh, she's a physio and she just works with people. She has no, she has nothing digital at all. How can I help her make her business work? And, and I did all these kind of half an hour little Zooms with people to help get them online and, and take their business, you know, where they were doing Pilates classes or whatever it was, get their businesses online. And again, that, that you know, I brought all of those skills that I had invested in over the years to help other people succeed, and mostly women. And it, it that, that has evolved and become this journey that, that I sort of build on over the years to now this point where I'm sort of changing things up even more as I'm in now in my 50s and um, bringing women who are in business as a solopreneur, as a freelancer, and experiencing everything that comes with your 40s and 50s as we go into menopause. Mm. And that's sort of where everything has evolved to. And so I don't shy away from doing different things or doing things that are uh, different, <laughs> creative, I, we might say. Um, I kind of thrive off it. I kind of love doing that. And I don't mind standing out for it at all. OK, well, look, no, it's amazing. We're going to move on to that in just a second. Just going back a little bit there. Yes. Yeah. If someone's listened to this, because I think sometimes there's a there is what we touched on earlier about, you know, like working for a working for an organisation or working for yourself. You know, like you say, it's the two exact sides of the coin. Do you think yeah. you have to be one or the other? You know, do you think some people do just simply fit into the corporate world and that just suits them better? They can switch off. It's very often if you live in, if you work in that world, you can't then do the dream or get your 
real niche that you're amazing at. So, you know, what would you say to somebody like that who is sort of feels like they want the security of the corporate world? They know deep down they've got something they really want to do. How do they then break into the brave new world? Really good question, because that is exactly what I'm helping women do next. And especially, you know, you get to a point where you've maybe worked in a corporate world, worked worked for someone else or worked in a you know, public service um, for 20 years or so. And that's been your career. But you've had this long held idea that you'd actually like to sell your artwork online or, or something like that. And I think there comes a point where we all dabble and we all kind of think about it and dream about it. And for some of us, we find the right people to help us make that take that leap. And I do think that it is very much about the people you surround yourself with. You do have to find your tribe. You have to find the people that inspire you to encourage you to know that you can do it. Because I am a strong believer that you can do it. Absolutely. You just need the right information and the right backup, the right support. Mm. Uh, yeah before we do move on i just i have this is the burning question pinterest i mean i can't even get my head around instagram so i'm not you know even gonna go into that with me but so with pinterest what is the difference with pinterest and and how do you i mean i know i'm I'm asking you to do it again in a nutshell but what is the concept of pinterest the concept of pinterest is that you as a hobby as, as you and i if we go on there and use it just for fun um we would go and save pictures we love from Pinterest into our own little notice boards, into our own little account, in groups, in sections, so that we can then go back and look at the hairstyles we like or the travel, the places we want to travel to, the recipes we want to make, that kind of thing. That's the basis of it. As a business, we tap into the idea that people are on there looking for help, looking for ideas, and we create content that they would like to come and learn more about. So if we have a service-based business or products we're selling, Um, We might be talking about them in a blog or we might just have them on our website. We can then create the imagery that people enjoy, that they save to their boards or that they click on to find out more. And when they click on it, they come to our websites. That's it in a nutshell. Wow. That's the marketing aspect. That's so clever. It's so clever because when I research my books, I'm uh, researching at the moment, not to give too much away, but um, I'm spending a lot of time in Long Island. So I'm, I'm, and mansions in Long Island. And it's amazing. And I'm like, I put, Long Island mansions and so I'm going into people so now I see where I'm going because I'm like wow this is amazing (laughs) so you're you're searching for Long Island mansions um people might be searching for my stuff you know small bedroom ideas yeah on how to decorate their small bedroom so I produce the content that helps them with that and I, I make a little pin a pretty picture there's a bit more to it than that, obviously. Yeah, sure. But that's the essence of it. I make the pin that showcases my content, my blog post, and they go, oh, that looks great. That's what I want to know. Click, and I'll come and visit the website so that I can find out some more. Oh, and then I've discovered Jen. Wow, love she living. Here it is. Oh, there's more on here. Let me have a look. So that's how it's all working. <sighs> Anyone would think, you know, it just happens like that, wouldn't they? But still... <laughs> So, yes. Yeah, so let's go on. So moving on now. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is um, just incredible because you've got a quote on your website saying, do you ever feel you might miss your chance? And I yeah. think that that is so I, I mean, not just women in their 40s, 50s, I think men as well. But obviously, we're going to concentrate on yeah. women. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've been really open on Instagram uh, talking 
I've got another blog as well, which we won't go into, but that's there as well. Uh, we'll click on. on. Uh, yeah, um, uh, my Instagram, I've been really open about menopause, and perimenopause and how it affected me. And I got such an incredible response. And I had to do a lot of research on my own to sort of get myself through the period of time where I didn't know what the heck was going on and why did I feel so awful? Because we all as women are led to believe that, you know, we'll get sweaty and our periods will stop and that will be it. When we're in our mid to late 50s, well, of course it's not. It's, and I just didn't know. Mm. I didn't know that in my 40s I was going to crash with anxiety and, like you say, confidence issues and brain fog and, and joint pain and couldn't sleep and all those other awful things yeah. that happened to us that affect us mentally and physically. It took me a long while to figure out what was going on. And, of course, I had a very uh, a sort of, uh, you know, I was out there visually. People mm. could see me and I didn't. I didn't feel like I wanted to show up on Instagram or on film and on video and things like that. I was doing lots of video and film stuff for different brands. And I just did not want to do it. And I would panic that I couldn't remember the words and how was I going to look because I'd had no sleep. And, you know, it just mm. this vicious circle whilst I was kind of building my business and trying to keep it vibrant and successful. And mm. I sort of thought, well, you know, I talked about this and other women resonated with it. And so we get to the point where I'm, I'm furious and mm. so cross that help and support is not there for women when we need it most, when we're at our most incredible, when we've got so much to give and share. For many women, they're at the peak of their careers as they come into their late 40s and 50s and having to give it all up mm. because they're, you know, possibly a sweaty mess mm. in front of, you know, an audience doing a presentation and, um, just you can't pull it together. Oh, you haven't got no. confidence. It's awful. It is awful. And I I mean, having worked, I, I keep saying about being in the TV industry, but I've seen it. But yeah. also I think what you're saying there, and this it's it used to be like an ageism thing. And it used to be a woman gets to a certain age, or do you know what? We don't want to look at her because she's a certain age, so we're bringing a, in a younger model. But that yeah. is combined with so many other things because it's and it's really tapped into it, like you're saying with like you doing Instagram. Now you have the confidence to be doing something like that, but then suddenly you feel like you don't. Well, that's nothing to do with ageism. That's to do with something going on within you. But the outside world then taps into that, so you yeah. end up feeling like you're utterly rubbish and you're past your sell-by date so let's just you yeah. know women don't carry on and don't fulfill their dreams because they just think oh I'm just rubbish yeah absolutely <laughs> you've said it in a nutshell really and I, I think yeah I mean there's so many more people and uh, people with a platform and celebrities and um you know people who have a voice talking more about how they have felt but it's become this this narrative of being a bit of a joke and women are a bit of a joke when they get to this age because they're forgetful and sweaty and we laugh about it and then we as women feel ashamed and embarrassed and actually you know this is natural and normal and we should be talking more about how we can navigate this point of our lives and still be successful and still enjoy and still fulfill what we had promised ourselves that we would do for mm. us and ourselves and our lives kids are getting older we've got a bit more time um you've got all this experience and so bring it into something we love to do mm. um you know when I first went to a GP he said to me I can't help you I'm the wrong gender <gasps> and I'm like I, I, I was practically suicidal at that point I said to him 
I'm severely depressed, can't get up. I don't want to carry on. I don't want to live. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And honestly, if my husband hadn't picked up the phone to me when I came out of that appointment, I don't know what I'd have done. And that was just dreadful, dreadful experience. It took, took me 18 months to get help. And that help, I found it on the internet. I found it, found it in Facebook communities with some amazing, incredible people who are trying to raise awareness of menopause. And um, people might laugh at me and joke because I'm bringing together a community of women where I'm helping them with their marketing, take their long-held dream into an, an, an online business, and we talk openly about menopause. And yeah, it has had a lot of criticism, but I think that's because, and, and that just feeds into this whole idea that we're a joke to be talking about menopause. Mm. But honestly, that community is phenomenal. The women in there are incredible and so, uh, wow. I mean, I'm in awe of them every single day. And it just, just goes to show that it affects everybody, no matter what, where you are in your, you know, in your career. I, I, oh. Don't, I tell you what, Jen, I could go on for hours. So don't get me started on this. We're slowly coming to the end. But um, sure. the but the point is, isn't it, that it, and it's very easy then it's put in boxes. So now it's like, oh, look, now, now first of all, you don't talk about it. Then it's like, oh, OK, they're going through the menopause. That's their problem. Oh, it's them. It's they go. But it's not that. It's a combination of everything. So you've got something going on in your body. You've got a time, like you say, children could be leaving home or you're starting to say, hang on, I've just spent the last 10, 15, 18 years you know, doing, looking after my family. I don't know what I want to do. Perhaps they haven't been kept in the business as you have, but they, hang on, look, I've got a lot to give. But they haven't got the confidence because they've been out of the workplace, because they've been looking after the family, doing an incredible job. At the same time, their body's telling them something and then they're, but they become a, like this, this joke and then they've got to go through that hurdle as well. So it's, but yeah. they're the people who end up, winning in the end if it's gonna yeah. if we're gonna put it like that because actually if you can talk honestly find your right people and just one yeah. tiny step at a time well those whoever those exactly. people are they can <laughs> yeah. you know do one frankly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh i've gone all ranty yeah you can get all ranty about it i know and I do, we do in our group slightly. And it's not a ranty, it's not, you know, it's not menopausal women ranting at all. It's mostly about business and how to take that one step at a time, how to make sure our mindset is in the right place, how to navigate social media, how to get the confidence to show up on camera on your Instagram. And I've done that, I've done that for 10 years. And so I know how to do that. I can help women do that. Not a problem. We can talk openly about the issues we face. And when I do my uh, sort of coaching calls and the, the Facebook lives to my community, you know, if I can't think of the word, it's fine. <laughs> because we can, we can all resonate, resonate with that. Uh, when I when I can't get the word out and they're that oh no it's this gen that you oh, I've got it now thank yeah. you <laughs> but you know we have experts in and we've just had a courage and confidence life coach come in and talk about imposter syndrome and the fear of failure and give women the confidence that it's okay that they're not past it that just because they haven't done social media or they haven't built a website before that they can do that stuff and I give them the background and I show them behind the scenes of how it all works what they need to do next and it really is, you're exactly right, it's one step at a time, mm. definitely. Oh, God, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, well, I I think it's brilliant. <laughs> 
Oh dear, oh, I'm going to calm down now. Right, so um, I'm going to move on now to your acknowledgements. So you've had quite the, you know, I mean, what experiences you've had. Who would you say are the people that sort of have helped you the most or people you'd like to thank? Um, I've got a friend who I met on the very first day I went to Polly. We both went to Lancashire Polly together and we are now lifelong friends. Um, very, very close. We speak every single day. She's an entrepreneur. She's had an amazing ride. And, you know, we are each other's person and we've got each other's back and we are there for each other. Everyone get emotional <laughs> just talking. But that's what you need. You need a person, don't you? You need or a group of people. And I do have an incredible group of female, of women who are just there for me, who get it, who understand it. It's so important to find those people. You know, whether you come into a community like mine or you have personal people around you who get it, who understand you, who who have got your back no matter what. And that has meant a huge amount to me, um, Jill, my friend. And then the other women, you know, like just the woman who I bought my baby styling franchise with from, we are still, she is in my small, tight-knit tribe. And we speak a couple of times a day. We live really close to each other. And um, she is doing amazing things. She's just written, got her fourth or fifth book released, writing another one. Um, yeah, amazing. We're, and just finding those people that connect with you, that are kind, supportive, and just really good people, they make the difference. Mm, I know how amazing that lady is to have four, four you say four books out, she's had already yeah. out. That yeah. Well, I know that is, um, that is amazing. That is a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So your, what is your advice? I mean, you, you've got so much to offer, but if someone is listening to this and they're just thinking, come on, look, I need to do something, whatever that may be, be it a new job, be it just a new way of life, be it a, a hobby, just something so they don't spend their days wishing not to be in their day as such. Um, what would you say to them? I would say the first thing is have a little think about what you are really good at. Okay. And every, and this is the first thing I've done in my community is make everybody focus in on what they're unconsciously good at because we tend to take it for granted. And throughout my life, throughout my working life, I've realized that I've gone with those things that I know I can do. And that's where the change and the evolution has come from, because I've believed in myself that I can, I am good at things and they're not things that other people can do. So there will be something there that you are really good at that you take for granted, but other people cannot do that and they would pay for, to be able to. So what are you unconsciously good at? So take a long look at that. And work on banishing that imposter syndrome because we've all got it and I think women we we come after having families and even if we've had a business or not I struggle with imposter syndrome every single day and what is that well it's just the fear that you're not good enough isn't it well if there's something you think you're not good enough at learn it uh go and find the information find people who can teach you or learn from the internet or books or whatever it might be, do a little course. So it is exactly as you say, it's you know, one step at a time. Break down those barriers that are preventing you from taking the next step. And again, you were saying, uh, you know, it, we were just saying it then, it's so important to have people around you, even if it's not lots of people, but just to have a certain amount of people who really genuinely have you. Because something that I noticed, like, well, I've only just published one book, um, but what has been really eye-opening to me, um, and there's some people that perhaps haven't been quite as supportive as I thought they would be, but there have been people who have been, I would never have imagined 
that they would have been as supportive. And I think, hang on, you really have like they've you know they've written to me or they've but they've really got it and they've they've got how I feel about it as well. And I think that's quite magical. It's amazing when that happens. Yeah, it is amazing, isn't it? When people really get it. And unfortunately with social media now, it's given people the opportunity to um, express themselves when they feel that you are wrong. <laughs> and it's, that's, that's tough. And it is tough. And it's tough for all of us. And, and people see it, women see it, and they sort of think, well, do I want to put myself out there and, and experience that? And unfortunately, the negative voices are the loudest often. But we do have to really, really focus in on those people that get it, those people that are good and kind and say the right thing and support you because actually they're the quieter ones, but they are there in abundance. And it's just finding them and tapping into them and remembering that they are your people and connecting with them, shutting down the noise, shutting down the negativity, finding those people that lift you up, inspire you, say the right things, say the good things. And you're right, you know, when we are successful, when we do something creative and have success, it does trigger people. It triggers their insecurities. It triggers the fact that they wish they could do it, but they haven't got the gumption, the confidence, the skills, whatever it might be, or they feel they haven't. And it triggers them. And unfortunately, you know, the online world allows people to say these things they wouldn't say to you if we were in the same room. Um, And so... Oh, I see I've lost my train of thought now, menopausal, da da da. Ah, no, I would just say that you're talking about <laughs> so many great up. things. No, but it, it's, and also, but it's not just the online world. It's even people, dare I say it, lovely people around you. But it, like you said, that's interesting what you say. It does trigger an insecurity, doesn't it? It just, but, and it's actually not about you. So it's not necessarily that your work is terrible, but it, but you, when you're starting out, you think, oh my God, no one likes it. This is awful. But actually it's, it's. book out there or, or content or something on Instagram or a blog post or whatever, you're, you're making yourself vulnerable. And so it does take a level of the right mindset to say, okay, not everybody's going to like this and that's okay because a lot of people are going to like it and it's, it's making sure that you focus in on those people that do like it. Yeah, yeah. I tell you. Yeah, it's so hard. It is hard. It's very hard. And it takes, it takes days, weeks, months of kind of working at that mindset to, uh, to, to, to make sure it's strong enough to sustain you, I think. Just very finely then, because you, you yeah. seem so confident but you be, and thank you for being so honest about things. On that day, on that moment where you're feeling, do you know what? I can't do this. I'm feeling all those things that I encourage people not to feel. I'm feeling them. What do you say to yourself and what do you do? Uh, it goes two ways. I either say, right, do I really have to show up or can I stay in my pyjamas and put Netflix on and drink lots of coffee? Uh, if I can, then I do, because I know it's only a day. Now I'm, I'm really sure that it passes. And I'm really used to recognising the signs. I mean, I'm in it at the minute, I think. I think many of us are in the UK, you know, obviously with everything that's going on, managing my kids, managing my work online, it's really tough, really tough. And so I don't always feel like showing up. And so if I don't have to, then I try not to. But equally, I also know to give myself a break and to, to, to um, you know, prioritise myself, look after my mental health, uh, give myself some downtime from the online world. And so obviously, you know, I'm doing this with you. I've got a couple of other things booked for the day, but not a lot else. I don't have to show up for my people so much today. And so I can just take a step back and recharge. And that's really important for me. So I know I need to do that. Okay, Jen Stanbrook, you have been an amazing guest on the next chapter. Thank you so much for giving me your time. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's been really good fun. <laughs> Thank you, Ellie. So there you are, Jen Stanbrook. What a woman. Now, this conversation really got me thinking. What did you take from it? I took that you don't have to have lots of qualifications or even connections. If there's something you love and you're willing to put in the work, anything and really anything is possible. And look, if you need some new members of your own tribe, then I'm here and Jen is too. I always love to hear from you and what you're up to. So you can keep in touch with me at elliebarkerwrites.com and you can find out all about Jen and her amazing work in my show notes. Now, this is the last episode of series one of the next chapter, but I will be back with series two very soon. In the meantime, I'll be collecting some more conversations for you and will also be getting my own head down with my next chapter and my final drafts of my second book. It's all a bit scary though, isn't it? But do get in touch if there is anyone you would like me to interview. Now, boring, I know, but I will say it again. If you could rate and review this episode and even subscribe, well then that would be just wonderful. So until series two, if you're thinking about your next chapter, keep believing, keep thinking, just one tiny step at a time. Go on, you can do it. Speak soon. <laughs>